Welcome to County Conversations. We're here with Tim Doyle from the Bonadio Group to talk about Gatsby 87 leases. But before we get into the, the, the nuts and bolts of what that is, I want to first thank Tim for joining us today uh, and thank Bonadio for all the work that they do with our counties. And Tim, could you talk a little bit about what you do your career, who you are, where you where you work out of, where you live. Absolutely. Uh, first, thanks for having us today, uh, Mark and, and NISAC in general. We appreciate it. We, we love working with you guys over the years. A um, little background on me. Um, I'm about uh, 30 years. Actually, last year was my 30th, 30th year in public accounting. Um, I am a partner and a team leader for Bonadio for their governmental New York City group. So I I head up all of the governmental practice down in the New York City area, uh, covering Westchester, Rockland, inner New York City, Long Island, Connecticut area. I'm also a, a GFOA national reviewer for the Financial Reporting Excellence Award and a New York uh, GFOA board member, as well as the co-chair of the Audit and Accounting Committee. Um, I also at Bonadio, in addition to being a partner in that group, this year started heading up the GASB 87 team as we put together a team knowing this was a, a big change uh, that would focus solely on this area. Thanks. Uh, before we move on, there's a lot of acronyms in here and you just dropped GFOA. So for our audience who's listening today, can you describe what GFOA is? Absolutely. Um, so the GFOA is the Government Finance Officers Association. Uh, so it's, a, it's, it's another group of, of folks in local governments that get together to share resources, trainings, things like that. Um, so that, that's the GFOA. And when I spoke originally to being a national reviewer, there's a national GFOA as well as a local New York GFOA as well. Your credentials go before you, Tim. So thank you for that. And thank you again for joining us today. Now, a little bit about Bonadio. Uh, what is Bonadio? Uh, where do you have your offices? Who do you work with? Absolutely. So, so we're, we were founded in 1978. We're currently a top 50 CPA firm nationwide and have about 800 employees. Uh, in New York State, we have 10 offices in, uh, from New York's, or from Buffalo to Long Island. We also have a Vermont and a Dallas office as well. Uh, we have a full array of audit and accounting and consulting services, and our governmental group is comprised of approximately 75 professionals. We also have a very robust in, information technology group of about 40 individuals as well. Um, a little bit about who we serve. So we serve over 300 governmental entities each year. They include federal and state contracts, counties, cities, towns, villages, state, city, and local authorities, public schools and BOCES, and community colleges. In terms of counties, I know that's sort of the focus area here today. I think we serve about 27 to 30, somewhere in that range of the 57 or so counties in, in the state. And uh, a little bit about what we, what we do also with those counties and cities and such. Um, the financial and internal audits is pretty standard. Everybody thinks about that in a CPA firm. Um, but we also do town clerk justice and tax collector audits. We do a lot of information technology consulting. 
And in this last year, we've actually started doing a lot more of what we call outsourced accounting, where um, you know, people have been strapped with resources and, and sometimes need help in keeping their accounting moving. Um, so we've actually got a department that does all of that accounting and bookkeeping for some of our smaller local governments. Uh, we also assist with implementation of accounting standards. And uh, this year we started uh, talking to our current clients in December about GASB 87, which we'll speak to in a, in a short while here. And we said, you really don't wanna wait, you wanna get, get ahead of this. And uh, we're working with over 100 governmental clients right now on GASB 87 implementation. And uh, we've just about wrapped up 40 of them, which are our school districts, which you'll see when we talk about implementation dates, um, they're the first out. So they're the ones that are looking for them right now. So we're teasing the audience a little bit by continuing to refer to GASB and GASB 87 comma leases. So first, before we jump into GASB 87, what is GASB? You hear that term a lot in terms of uh, public accounting and requirements and statements. What is GASB, Tim? Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a great question. I'll give you the short answer and then I'll give you the somewhat longer answer. So the short answer is it's the accounting standards by which you're required to report under. It's when you think of GAAP or generally accepted accounting principles, they, they would normally be under all the GASB rules. So what GASB is, it's the Government Accounting Standards Board. So they're the ones that set the standards as to how things are recorded, what disclosures are needed in your financial statements, um, how different things should be recorded. They set those standards. And we will talk about as we go through certain things where there were, as an example, leases, there was guidance on that in the past under past GASBs, but sometimes they reissue new ones. They either, there are new things in the environment that have changed or they feel there are areas that maybe need more clarification. So GASB 87 is a, all about government leases. Right. So, so why now? Why and, and what is a statement? Is it a requirement that all local governments have to abide by? Is that what a GASB statement is? And one other thing. So we're at GASB 87. So does that mean there's 87 statements that get the, the government accounting board has put forth? Well, there's there's currently over 100, but not that are required to be implemented yet. There, some of them are down the down the road here, but uh, yes, we have crossed the, the path of 100. Um, in terms of whether uh, you as a local government are required to comply with the GASB standards, it, it depends. If you're having an audit um, under generally accepted accounting principles, um, which if you're issuing debt and such, you, you generally would, um, you're required to comply with those generally accepted accounting principles, which include GASB. Um, if you're just issuing an AUD at the end of the year to OSC, um, that, that's not necessarily GAP and not necessarily, um, you don't have to worry about GASB. So there, there is some wiggle room there, but if you are getting an audit under governmental or generally accepted accounting principles, yes, you've got to follow all the rules of GASB. And I'm assuming that all of our counties uh, do audits in addition to their OSC audits. They have to do other audits because they go to market for bonding and, and financing and things like that. that. That's correct. Yeah, they, they do have to do it under generally accepted accounting principles, i.e. GASB. Um, 
and you also have a federal, all the counties in New York State have enough federal aid that they have to have a federal compliance audit, which also requires it, requires it to be under GAAP or generally accepted accounting principles. So yes, the, the, the counties generally, we, we would see almost exclusively, they would always be uh, required to have a GAAP audit. Some of the towns are smaller, may not need an audit. Um, so they may be just filing their a, AUD to OSC um, they may not have to be required to do all of these. Okay, so what is GASB 87 leases then? And what does it entail? Or what is it, how is it, this change impacting our counties and larger municipalities that might fall under this umbrella? Yep, absolutely. So, so from time to time, we talked about why do they change these things, right? So from time to time, GASB will, will issue a statement like leases on something that previously existed. There was guidance on leases before, and they'll do that because they feel that maybe there's additional guidance or definitions that need to be out there. And a good example is GASB 101, which is yet to be required, um, but it's out there. Uh, is on compensated absences. We've all had guidance on compensated absences before, but there's new guidance. So in the future, we're, we're a few years down the road there with that, but when you have to implement GASB 101, there are things out there that were, were talked about before in the GASB, but now they've addressed them. So same with this, leases existed before, there's no change there, um, but they've, they've given additional guidance. And ultimately, GASB felt that there were certain transactions that should be included on the balance sheet with disclosures to provide the reader of the financial statements with a complete set of information on the entity's activities. So they really felt that there were transactions maybe that weren't showing an actual liability on the balance sheet. And, and as we walk through, we're going to do this at a high level. There's a lot. We could spend a whole day on GASB 87. But as we go through, you'll see that there are certain things that you might not have thought of as a lease before. And when you read through this, and I'll give you a question that has four different things you want to think about. And to me, it's the biggest takeaway on any of these things that I've done. You think about that question and suddenly you'll say, wait, maybe there's more leases than I thought about. So what is a lease? An overview, um, just real quick about the timing of this too. Um, they actually delayed this 18 months. So the pandemic came around, you were actually supposed to implement it right soon after the pandemic began. Um, they, they bumped this out 18 months. So currently the effective date is for fiscal years beginning before June 15th of 2021. Okay, so for our school districts that end on June 30th, that means July 1st of 2021 was the beginning of their year. And they're now with their June 30th just implementing. Our community colleges are next at August 31st. And then all of our cities, towns, villages, and counties with December 31st would be after that for this, this year, 2022. Uh, one key thing I will note before we get into the what is a lease to, a um, little tricky thing here. I don't think we'll see it in counties or, or local governments, but if you have a two-year presentation, and that does not include your MDNA, your management discussion and analysis, but in the financial statements themselves, if you're showing multiple years, this requires you to go back to the beginning of the most of the earliest year presented. So we really only see it in our community colleges. A few of them have shown multiple years. 
GASB 34 or 35 that's, that's on the financial statement presentation do not require any of you to have more than one year. They, some of the community colleges have decided to have multi-years and we said this may not be the year for it. Um, so that's, that's a little keynote there too. So in terms of the leases, what is a lease? Okay, by the standard, it's a contract that conveys the control of the right to use another's, another entity's non-financial asset as specified by the contract for a period of time in exchange or an exchange-like transaction. Okay, that's the terminology. Here's the question I would ask all of your listeners to think about. Um, the, and, and this goes both directions, if you're a lessee or a lessor, it's just opposite directions. But as a lessee, the question to ask is, do I have the right to use someone else's asset? Could be a building, could be equipment, a field, whatever, for greater than 12 months, in exchange type transaction. That means I get, I get and or give equal value and there's no transfer of ownership. If those four things, if you can answer those and you say yes, then you've got a lease. And there are a couple of specific exclusions beyond that that are sort of carve outs, which we'll talk about, but that's the real question you need to ask. And I'll, I'll just repeat it because it really, to me, this is the biggest thing is do I have the right to use someone else's asset for a period of greater than 12 months, it's an exchange type transaction or I give equal value and I do not, they or I do not transfer ownership. That's your first question. We, we've met with a lot of, I mentioned that we're working with a hundred different governments right now. Usually the intro discussion is, hey, we don't really think we have many leases. And then when we ask them to think about this question, they really start thinking about things that aren't necessarily on a piece of paper that say lease, but when you look at those things, they say, hey, that's really sort of a lease, I guess. Um, so. so that begs the question, right? So can you give me an example of uh, a lease arrangement that a county might have that they weren't thinking was a lease prior to asking this question? Sure. Um, so some of the common examples of leases are easements. Um, but not permanent easements and not easements that are not like kind exchange. So for instance, if an easement was uh, pay me a dollar for this, that's not a like kind exchange, right? And, and not permanent easements, but other easements fall into this. Uh, cell phone towers and the land that they're on, any, uh, any other type of land that, um, that is being conveyed and not transferring ownership, um, but receiving monies for it. Vehicles, uh, we see at, at counties, at some of our community colleges where they may have a fleet of vehicles that they're using, but they're not their vehicles. Uh, buildings, equipment, we've seen in the school district worlds and colleges, sports fields, auditoriums, things like that. So, so those are some of the common things that, that we've seen as we've sort of unearthed these things, but a lot of space issues too. You really need to think about are we using any, any space um, somewhere else or the opposite side? Is somebody using some of our space um, and we're, you know, we're using that? So those are, those are some of the things that we see. But one of the key things about this standard is completeness and whether or not you've, you've, you've thought about all the things that could be a lease. And so you know, one of the points that we make is 
it goes beyond the finance office. You really want to talk to all your departments and you may have something that you're paying on a monthly basis, but you don't realize that there's a, a bigger picture out there. So for a cell tower example, uh, a, a county government could own some cell towers and they could also lease, they could, uh, so they could lease space on those cell towers, but then they could also not own a cell tower, but want their emergency management communication equipment on that cell tower. So then they pay uh, a, a crown castle or somebody else for the space on that cell tower. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Those types of things. And you just don't, you don't really think of those. So what happened here with leases is under this new standard that the classification of leases that used to be operating in capital they, they, they got rid of those classifications. Right now, they're all just considered financing leases. And then whether it's capital or not, you have to look at, do any of these exceptions apply? So, you know, thinking of those four questions I gave you before, you want to think about that first. And then you say, well, are, are these leases, if I'm a lessor, if I'm leasing to someone, are these assets considered investments? And there's a whole GASB 72 on all the different things you need to think about as to whether they're investments. But you go through that. We don't see a whole lot of that. Most of like the cell tower thing, that's pretty clear cut. Regulated leases. There are some industries like the airport airline agreements that are regulated that are carved specifically out of this in the standard. Um, then from both a lessor and a lessee side, short-term leases. And what they consider short-term leases is, are anything that you have the right to use, it's 12 months or less. So if you're 12 months or less, short-term doesn't fall under this, it's excluded out. The one caveat to that, that if your short-term lease has an available extension, the standard says that automatically it's not considered short-term anymore. So if it's 12 months, plus you have an option to renew, automatically becomes, whether you'll renew it or not, and you'll see, we'll talk a little bit here about the likelihood of you renewing things. This one doesn't even matter. If you're short-term 12 months and you have the option for an extension, they say, okay, now that kicks into long-term. And then the last exception there, um, leases that transfer ownership and do not contain termination options. So um, if, if there's a transfer of ownership to you, that's not a lease transaction. You're not using somebody else's asset because they transferred the ownership to you. So let me about, just go through a couple of quick lease scope exclusions too. Um, in addition to what we just talked about, there are certain things that they carved out. Intangible assets. So mineral rights, patents, software, copyrights, they're out. You don't have to consider those. Biological assets, timber, living plants, and living animals, where I could see the timber could be something that, that certainly could come up. Um, if it's inventory, if it's something for resale, that's carved out. Any service concession arrangements? And then lastly, supply contracts. So an example, if you have a power purchase agreement, um, I think of LIPA, things like that, um, but they do not convey control of the right to use the underlying power generating facility, that's carved out. So those are some of the specifics that they do carve out. How about naming rights to a, a county-owned uh convention center or arena or something like that. Is that considered a lease, Tim? You know, that, that one seems sort of grayish. I don't know. I'd have to think about that one. So naming rights. So 
um, and, and, and I assume you're thinking like maybe even like they have pouring rights at different places and things like that. Um, not sure about that because that that might fall under the service concession arrangements. I'd have to think about that one. I'm not not sure about that one. It's a good question though. But, and, and these are the kind of things our team gets all the time is like, what about these items? And I'm not sure about naming rights. I can get back to you on that. For an airport, uh, does the county airport lease the property or to an airline? How does that work exactly, your reference there? I've seen it differently, but what, I've, what I have seen a lot of in, in the airports is, is um, the, the vendors there, the restaurants and such, often lease space within. So now if you do own the airport or an arena, I've seen that with some of our counties as well, if they have an arena and they own it and others are coming into it to use the space, well, that's, that's clearly a, a lease type transaction. Um, I, I think I've seen different things on the airport side of it as to who owns it. But again, you just have to go back to, well, who does own it? And then is somebody using it? So if I'm a county and I do own the airport, um, I don't have to worry about it in terms of a lease for me using it. But if if somebody else owns it and I just use it, now you have to think about the lease. And that's where we that's where every one of those transactions you go back to those four questions, right? And you just ask yourself those things and say, okay, does it does it fall under that? You know, really the key with the naming rights is would we consider the naming rights an asset, somebody else's asset that I'm using? After that, it's all the other things. Is it greater than 12 months? Is it, you know, is there equal exchange? Um, it, it, are they not transferring ownership, which clearly would be the case there. So really you just have to get into, all right, is this an asset, the naming rights? Thank you. And so it's, it's uh, August 15th of, of 2022. We know, as you've mentioned that the the requirement of the statement goes into effect uh, in the 2022 audit year, right? So what does a county need to know and how can they prepare for this as they wind down the year and plan for 2023? Sure, sure. Well, a couple of quick things just to hit upon that we might have before we get into that, the lease term. Um, the lease term can be very tricky because you would think the lease term is stated in the agreement and you know it's 60 months or whatever. One of the key things in this standard is um, it starts with the non-cancelable period. So that would be what you would see in the lease. Hey, it's 60 months, whatever. But it also covers the period of the lessee and the lessor's option to extend. So if the option is reasonably certain of being exercised, and that's, you know, that's a Tough thing. You got to think about that, right? Then it could extend. So let's say I have a five-year lease, but it says I have the option to extend it five years. When I consider what the value of that lease is, and I'll talk about that in a second as to how you record it. But when when I think about that amount, I need to consider: is it a ten-year lease or is it a five-year lease? And so you really need to think about: is it reasonably certain that I will extend that lease? And some of the things we ask our folks when we're meeting with them is, um, all right, if you don't extend that lease, what's plan B? Do you have another vendor in mind? Do you have, uh, do you no longer need it? Um, and if those answers are no, and let's say you're in the last year of your lease, you're likely probably to extend it. So we, we talk through all those types of things, but the, the actual lease term is not just 
what's on that lease, but what you're reasonably likely to do. So that's a little tricky. Um, it also excludes areas where the lessee and the lesser both have an option to terminate. So let's say, let's say it says that you have a 60 month lease, um, but either one of you can terminate at any point with say 30 days notice. What the standard says there is that's a short term lease because it may say five years, but you can, you can, um, you can cancel it at any period as can they. They said that's really a rolling month to month lease. So that gets carved out as well. Um, you know, in terms of the accounting, I will note that, that some of this is better visual. So we'll talk through it very briefly, um, but certainly we have a, a nice publication we're happy to share with anybody and I'll provide contact information at the end that lays all this out. But I'll just sort of talk through it real quick to give people an idea. One of the things you're gonna have to do in year one is put those assets and liabilities on the books. And so from a lessee, when you're, when you're first putting that on, so let's use the school districts as an example, a July 1st date, right? They are going to put on the liability, which will be the net present value of those leases going forward. That's why it's important to know how long they go out and what the term is. And then they'll put an equal amount of what's called an intangible asset or a right to use asset. It's similar to if you had the asset and you were using it, but it's somebody else's asset. So you're gonna put those on equal value. They both equal each other, doesn't affect fund balance or net position or anything like that. From the lessor side, um, if I'm leasing to somebody, I'm gonna book a lease receivable and I'm gonna book an amount that's equal to that as what's called a deferred inflow, similar to a liability on your balance sheet. So those get those balances on in year one at the very beginning of the year. Then going forward, each year you have the activity that occurs. So from the lessee side, I'm gonna reduce that lease liability by the amount of the payments that I received, less any interest. And then that, that intangible asset that I put on there, you're gonna amortize that similar to depreciation on any other capital asset. So you'll do that either over the useful life or the lease term, whichever is shorter. And then from the lessor, this one's a little trickier, you are going to continue to depreciate your own asset that you have. You have this asset you're letting somebody use. So that's just normal. And you're gonna reduce your receivable by the lease payments less the interest, sort of the opposite of the, the lessee there. And then the last piece of it is that deferred inflow that you put out there, you're going to recognize lease revenue over the course of the lease in a systematic fashion to reduce that deferred inflow. So think of it this way. If my lease were $100,000 for a five-year lease, I would have initially put that 100,000 in the deferred inflow. And then each year I would recognize $20,000 of revenue um, and, and I would uh, reduce the deferred inflow. Um, so, so that's sort of what, what you've got going on there. And again, it, it's tough without visuals, but, but certainly I want to give an idea of it. Um, but then as we go through, you know, I'll give you some contact information. We can certainly share something with you. Uh, the last piece before I get into what you need to do to prepare, you're going to need disclosures. And the disclosures are similar to the debt disclosures, right? So they're going to show the terms of those leases, the payment terms, the payment amounts, the interest rates. They're going to show five-year maturity groups, same as you would on long-term debt. 
And on the, on the right to use asset, you're gonna show that the same way you would your fixed assets or your capital assets and show the roll forward of beginning balances and amortization and such. So those are, those are sort of the disclosures and such. Uh, to your question, uh, what do you need to do to prepare? We talked a little bit before about completeness. Biggest thing, do you have all these? Do you know what to look for? Um, and so we say, take an inventory early. Take an inventory of, of all of the possible things that fit into that four questions I gave you before, right? And think about work with your departments. Do we have any of these things? Contact component units and other departments outside of finance to determine that. Uh, start determining the impact to your financial statements. So you're going to have new disclosures. Um, you're going to have some accounting. Uh, won't get into it in detail here, although we have a recorded webinar. We have our publication. If you are a lessor, there's a little bit of a revenue impact that's different from your normal transaction. So you may want to look at that right away. Um, and then don't wait to implement. The number of leases present, present both by lessee and lessor will determine how significant the standard is. So if you've got a lot of leases, you're going you're to have a bigger impact, a lot more disclosure. So don't wait. And then lastly, you know, once you've established all those things, determine if that's something you can do internally, or is it something you need help with? And, and you know, there are, there's a lot of software vendors out there. What we've found is they, they give a piece of the puzzle, but maybe not asking all the right questions in that. Um, I, I'm not aware of any other CPA firms that are doing this, but we have, again, done 100 of these already. Um, so we would be happy to help as well. But the real key, inventory them, make sure you know what you have and don't wait, start early. Now for any December 31st, you know, you're still in a good spot there, but you don't wanna wait until December 31st to try and figure it out because you don't want it to delay your audit. Great, thanks. This is a well-timed podcast here uh, in, in the middle of August. So can you uh, now, if there are questions, if listeners have questions about any of these things, who can they contact for, you know, to bounce those questions off of Tim at Bonadeo. Absolutely, thank you. Um, uh, as I mentioned before, I head up the, the GASB 87 group. So um, you can either reach out, I'll give you the toll-free number 866-570-5418 and just ask for Tim Doyle. Um, or I'll give you my email address as well is tdoyle, so T-D-O-Y-L-E, at bonadio.com. So that's B-O-N-A-D-I-O.com. And if you do reach out, especially with the email there, if you want a copy of our publication on GASB 87, um, feel free to ask for that. We'll forward that to you. Um, it is pretty large, so you'll get a link versus an actual PDF because it's just a very large document. Um, but yes, feel free to reach out to us. Um, there's a lot of general questions we can help with. But also you may find just, again, from a resources perspective, you may not have time to do all this. You may not have the ex expertise to do it. Um, at, at this point, having gone through a hundred of them, we've, we've gone through a lot of the questions and worked out a lot of the quirks and, and little uh, things that people had questions on. So we, we'd be more than happy to help. And we will provide a link to that publication on the description of this podcast when we release it. Excellent. Thank you. Any last comments, Tim, before we close down this conversation in this County Conversations podcast today? 
Uh, yeah, no, no, no real questions, but just a, a thank you for having us today and for all the listeners out there uh, taking the time to get up to speed on this new standard. Uh, appreciate that very much. Thank you. And thank you for your time today. And thank you for your expertise. We appreciate you very much, Tim. Take care. listening to this episode of NYSAC's County Conversations podcast. Keep tuning in for more county government-focused conversations, and make sure to subscribe to stay up to date.